Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Contramundum. I am Andrew Isker and with me is CJ Engel. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, welcome to the show. Today we are talking about Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger, he just died. Uh, you're telling me now for the first time. Uh, he just died. And uh, there's been a lot of conversation about him, especially in the, in the media, that he is this monstrous villain, the most evil man who ever lived, uh, literally Hitler, uh, things like this. Um, but uh, CJ, uh, is that true? Is he a bad guy? Is he the most evil man who's ever lived? What, uh, what do you think? I think Kissinger like embodies just my general view of like 20th century. It's like um, mm -hmm. the American empire was, uh, you know, had its launch and, you know, had its full permeation throughout the Western world and uh, it damaged us in, in so many different ways. Uh, but compared to the new left, compared to the post sixties uh, revolution, it's like, these things sound quaint. I kind of want, you know, the FDR and Woodrow Wilson back. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's, that's, that's how bad it is. That you, yeah. If people are just joining our show for the first time, uh, CJ saying, oh, man, I really wish we could have Woodrow Wilson and FDR. I mean, uh, yeah. Previous episodes, we're not kind to either of those men. Um, no, I mean, but like, I just I recently talked to you know, Paul Gottfried about things like this too. Like, you know, the new left is making like, you know, RFK Jr., sound like a like a right winger you know what i mean so yeah yeah it's like i kind of miss the old you know waspy establishment that basically destroyed the old america but the 20th century america is certainly more preferable than the you know the civil rights regime yeah and so like if you you know if you only listen to cnn or msnbc or npr um covering uh the life and and uh uh, death of Henry Kissinger after he's passed away, right? All you would know about this man is that he bombed Cambodia and he also helped install Augusto Pinochet in, in Chile. Uh, that's all, you know, right? That's the only thing that you know about. Of course, both of those things are horrible and awful and terrible. I didn't uh, realize he was behind Pinochet. Like I, I see, I don't know. Yeah, that era is, is fuzzy to me. You know, I recognize what he did in China. That's kind of where I focus my interest on him. But I didn't realize he was yeah. behind Pinochet. It's like you don't have to sell him; he's already dead. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think, I think looking at it, you know, we can look at it like we. Uh, oh yes, we. Uh, here we go, <laughs> Uncle Augusto. Uh, <laughs> thought we like it. Yes, <laughs> we do. I, especially because, like, you look at like just focusing on and on, on Chile. Uh, for a moment, right? Uh, think about the situation in that country in the the later part of the 20th century, right? You have a communist government that has taken over, and what are your alternatives, right? A typical American, you know, would look at this. Even an American conservative would look at the situation in Chile as, well, this is horrible because we don't have this democratically elected liberal minded leader who is going to install a Jeffersonian democracy in the country. And isn't this so awful and evil and terrible? Um, but the reality is, right. Those are not your options. Your options are, you know, full on Maoism taking over in that country or, or a right wing dictator, right? Those are your options. Those are, that's the alternative. And so obviously Right. One is preferable to the other. If you if you believe in your know, order and stability and and having a, a functioning society where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are not, you know, just savagely butchered. Right. That's what happens when communism comes to a place always. And and so it you know, politics is always a question of compared to what right within reality, not compared to the ideal, not compared to what would be perfect. Um, and so, of course, yeah, like uh, Augusto Pinochet, um, you have to you have to admire. Um, <laughs> I pronounce Chile like I do the food. Chili, chili. We like the chili. Yeah. So um, anyway, I mean, that's that's yeah. So he was he was instrumental in having the State Department and CIA help uh, push the the coup in in that country in in Chile. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, that's, that's part of it, but I mean, there's so, so much more, like you look at the politics of the cold war and that's really what I wanted to you know, discuss and think about today because we're typically like when we were in our you know, very libertarian phase, we would look at the, the cold war as just this horrible, 
period of time. This is where the military industrial complex really got its hooks into America. Um, and I still, all, all is bad. I still, I mean, I still have holdovers from some of those positions. Um, yeah. I, I guess I've become much more of a realist on, on foreign policy, but you know, at the end of the day, it was sort of a contest between the liberal world and the communist world. And um, I, I do think that a lot of um, the momentum for the American empire that took place was a revolt against the traditional American order. Um, and I think I like the paleo conservatives. I think that they recognized what was happening and the, you know, imperial endeavors of the United States sort of set the tone and set the pace and set the foundation for, you know, the gay empire, you know? So like, yeah. like if it wasn't for all of that expansionism, if it wasn't for us involving ourselves in Europe during that time, I mean, we'd have no mechanism for exporting the, the trans revolution that we are doing now. Yeah. So I, I, I am conflicted on it, you know? Oh I mean? yeah, me too. I, I don't want to give the impression that, yeah, America was, you know, did nothing wrong and we've, uh, We've we've always been great, and the Cold War was awesome, and everything after World War II was perfect, and we can't criticize it at all or, or, or draw. I mean, know. especially like I mean, all the all the terrifying and their very real stories of what the Soviet Empire did in the Eastern Bloc, you know, in like Eastern Germany, um, and just the way that they revolutionized all those societies in Poland, Czechoslovakia, all of those places, Romania, Hungary, right? They were. They were, but we have, uh, and, and then that's the narrative is that the Soviets were doing all those bad things, which they were bad. Yes. Um, but they also part of the narrative is that we, we were pursuing a policy of liberation for Western Europe. And that's not, that's not really true. I mean, we, we were subverting Western Germany at the same time as the Soviets were subverting Eastern Germany. And while they had sort of a masculine totalitarianism, we had an effeminate totalitarianism. And it's really, you know, recognizable right now, just the things that we, are just now finding out about what we did in Germany, how we participated in the corruption and subversion of their culture, um, I think um, really undermined the narrative of U.S. liberation in our in our positive role in Europe over the last 70 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, you, you see the same thing with like France, uh, you know, France and and how subverted they were by 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 NATO and the United States. Uh, driving um, much of the cultural change there, where, where France had, and, and still has, you know, to a certain extent, a a very prominent right wing, and and they did throughout the bigger than, bigger than Germany's right wing. Oh, at, at this, well, definitely at this point, right? Yeah. But uh, and way bigger than anything in in the UK, and so, right, the the US has been actively suppressing it for decades. It continues right. to do so. Um. And so it's it it isn't like yeah yeah the U.S. did no wrong during the Cold War everything was great, uh, but I I think looking at at the legacy of Kissinger, uh, from the perspective of uh, of a real you know, foreign policy realist right standpoint rather than that this idealistic right all war is always bad and and um, and and why can't we just have peace man you know kind of kind of thing where it's like well that's that's not the world that we we live in. Right. Mm -hmm. there, you don't one, you don't have that, that possibility. You know, secondly, the Soviet Union is this is this massive, you know, totalitarian uh a threat that did want to export it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um and so you you play the cards that you're dealt, right? You have this, you know, decaying liberal, you know, post-war society, and um the, the power brokers in America are are yeah, at the very top are are had been for decades, right? It didn't become what it is now overnight, right? This has been a long historical process, right? That has its seeds in the, in the, in the fifties, sixties and seventies. Um, and, and so I, I, but I look at it like, you know, Kissinger is, is viewed as this warmonger, this evil man that is, is constantly pushing bombing countries. Like people, people, I think look at him the same way they would like someone like John McCain. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a mistake. Right to do that, I think um, actually uh, Kissinger. We you. It's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like uh, maybe this will be lost in some of some of the guys watching, and certainly will be lost on UCJ. But it's kind of like if you watch football, right? You watch football, a football game, and the only time that you like notice that's the, the sport where they're kick, that's the sport where they're kicking the ball around the field, right? Yeah, uh, it's close. <laughs> I mean, they do a little bit of kicking, um, but. Uh, Right, you watch a game, and the only time you ever notice the offensive line or an offensive lineman 
is when they screw up. Like if they have a penalty or they miss a block or something like that, you don't, you don't like nobody's watching them because they don't ever touch the ball. Right. You don't ever see like, whoa, what an amazing block. Did you see that? That's unbelievable. Wow. You opened that hole up and right in for a touchdown. Like nobody ever notices that stuff. You never see the good things. You only ever see the the negative stuff. Right. And, and so I think, I think look, you know, thinking about Kissinger is that way where we don't have any idea. <laughs> you can't see the comments because you're not logged in. No, I, I, uh, I, I see it. I see it. <laughs> um, right. Nobody has any idea. I live in California, so that's right. Leave me alone. He gets that all the time. Uh, nobody has any idea about you know Kissinger and all the wars that he prevented. Right, all the conflicts that didn't happen. Right, nuclear war or direct confrontation confrontation with the Soviet Union that he was able to help American presidents navigate away from, right? Mm -hmm. That I I look at that and think about that as like, like we don't realize just how much on on the knife's edge we were in the cold war. And this is not really talked about enough. And it's not, and and even in our context today, right? How, how we are walking this tightrope over nuclear war. Like we could, it could happen, right? It's, it's an actual very real threat uh, with the things that the, the the confrontation they're trying to provoke Russia into, or even even China, um, and and that was life in the Cold War. Is at any moment there could be a conflict that that um, where the United yeah. States is embroiled into direct conflict with the Soviet Union that it cannot avoid it or was, extricate itself from, and and then nukes start flying right yeah, at any it was, moment. It was different then. I mean, nowadays it's like nothing ever happens. Right. Like yes. nowadays, there's these there's these uh, you know threats of like big things happening in Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Gaza. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, it was for real, though. I mean, back yeah. then, there was a real confrontation. And back then, we were hours away from, you know, something much more serious than we saw. So I think I think it's hard for us to imagine the reality of b- back then. But it's not the same as where we are now, like all the things that we see on the news. And, you know, the mm-hmm. U.S. has a ship right now in the Red Sea or whatever that's. Um, you know, that's, that's being threatened and all that stuff is just headlines and it's nothingness. Mm-hmm. But back then it was real. The Soviets were a real threat and, um, you know, Kissinger, part of the Nixon administration, they had to make real, real decisions, you know, real life decisions. It wasn't, you know, a, a, a clown world and the leadership was actually, you know, somewhat competent, responsible, even if they were misguided. Um, there were a lot of, we, we did have an impressive um, leadership, even on those that we, you know, severely disagreed with, we actually had yeah. real human beings making real decisions. No, oh, and, and, and yeah, Kissinger was—it's a, a complete clown world today. And, yeah, and I mean, compare, yeah, compare Henry Kissinger to, uh, you know, I can't even think of his name. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the current Secretary of State, uh, Blinken, Anthony Blinken, mm-hmm. right? Or Samantha Powers, or or uh, what's uh, what's her name? Uh, who basically for Obama led the coup in, in Ukraine, um, Victoria Newland, right. Compare. I mean, you, I don't know if you, if anyone has ever watched these people speak and or give lectures or, or do a press conference, um, they are not impressive people, right. At all. Like I honestly, like you and I with zero foreign policy experience whatsoever could do at least a good a job or better than them, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our comment section could do a better job than the people that are running our foreign policy today, right? And so um, it is, it is you know, honestly, right? Comparing like Kissinger to those people right, right. is, it's it's like night and day. There's no comparison whatsoever. This this man was was absolutely brilliant. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Did, did I, did I cut out? Oh, okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, right. It, it's like this, this, he was, he was one of the brightest guys there, there, there was. And, and that's, I mean, that just tells you the difference between to then and today where you did have the top people rise to the top, right? You did have people that are competent and skilled and brilliant. They might not have been good people, uh, they might have been amoral and 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 cutthroat and everything else. Anything else we might ascribe to to Kissinger, but there's there's no question that this this man knew his stuff and knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree completely. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about Kissinger, I don't, I because I, I, you know, we talk a lot about the um, the Cold War and the relationship with the Soviets, but you know, he went a long way to talk to opening up things with China. 
you know? Yeah. So, I know you want to talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating to me because like I asked Paul Gottfried, you know, what he thinks about, you know, Kissinger and I'm, I'm probably going to get more detailed uh, take on Kissinger this week at the Chronicles podcast, but it's interesting because he's, he's generally positive about Kissinger, which is interesting to me. Um, and I think it's because he's positive about Nixon's foreign policy instincts. I mean, Paul thinks that Nixon was a foreign policy genius and he, he, uh, Kissinger did not, or uh, Nixon did not have a very good sense of domestic uh, paths forward, but on foreign policy, you know, Nixon was, you know, a genius basically. So he, he sees Kissinger in that light. But the thing that's interesting to me is like how, how much damage, like I wonder what someone like Pat Buchanan or a protectionist would think about Kissinger because, you know, China and, and our relationship with them in terms of the market, you know, the, and trade policy and all of that stuff. Um, it's interesting. We're seeing the fruit of opening the doors to China that I don't think, I don't think we're anticipated um, back then during Kissinger, because I, I don't think the relationship is, is healthy. You know, we basically have a, you know, loads of, of junk and crap on our shores, but all of the solid jobs related to American manufacturing, um, you know, it's struggling world. You know, you live in the Rust Belt. I mean, you, you see a lot more of it than I do. Um, and in fact, I see a lot of subversion. I see a lot of the Chinese subversion here in California. So I'm not really, I, I think that was one of the most damaging things that he ever did was open up the doors to China. No, I, I agree. I, th I think it was. And I, I think some of it is there wasn't the kind of foresight, which I mean, maybe to be fair to Nixon and to Kissinger, right? Could they have anticipated that China would become this industrial powerhouse and that opening, you know, relations with China would... Um, would sap American industrialism like it has. Um, I think, I mean, you look at, you look at China in the early 1970s, right? When you know, Nixon went to China and, you know, they were, they were not what they are now. I mean, it was, it was largely an agrarian economy. It was, if anything, they looked at it as here's a market for us to, to sell more stuff to, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have a booming American economy right? All it's the, you're still like 20, uh, less, less than 30 years after the second world war, where all of Europe, all of their industrial capacity in Europe has been destroyed. And so for, you know, the better part of a generation, America was the only industrialized country that hadn't had all of its factories bombed. Right. And so it had all of the infrastructure, everything. And it was, and there was a huge economic boom because of that. And, you look at China and it it still had never developed the kind of manufacturing that it has now. So you can't know what you don't know, right? You don't, you don't know that that's going to happen, that they are going to rapidly develop their economy, um, especially after Mao. And, and that, you know, subversive economic elements in America export all of the manufacturing to China. Like they, they, could they have anticipated that? I don't, I don't know if they really could. I think yeah, they, I mean, that's the big question. You know, if, if, if they could, like if, if you could take Richard Nixon and maybe, maybe we need to research this more and see like, what did he have to say about globalism? Cause I mean, he lived into the nineties, right? He lived into the time when, when Pat Buchanan's running for president. What, well, what it's funny. Opinions? So you know that he wasn't a supporter of Pat Buchanan, right? No, I know that. Yeah. 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 But, um, Pat Buchanan really emphasized protectionism. Yeah. And I, I wonder, it's just fascinating to me. I, I, I guess it seems to me like, you know, they, they should be natural allies. Um, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe just, I mean, Nixon did not have a domestic sense of things. He really had um, much, his focus was much more on the dynamics of, you know, global power, superpowers. Right. Yeah. That, so, I, but I, so I don't think he anticipated it. And I don't even think in the nineties, when you start to saw the, start to see the fruits of all this, I'm not sure he even recognized where it was going and how much damage it would actually do. Yeah. Um, and especially, I, I wonder what Kissinger would say. I mean, because does he talk about, I don't even think he's ever commented on the trade aspects of things, especially in the last 20 years. No, I, I mean, there is the famous, I, I, I should have uh, saved it so we could play it for everyone. But one of the last public uh, statements that he made before he passed away was, uh, was Kissinger basically saying that multiculturalism is bad and a failure and that it's destroying, right? It's destroying uh, Western countries. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and it, I mean, it's, it's obvious, like everybody, he, all anyone listening to this, right. If you've made it this far into the episode, right. You know, this, right. You know, that, uh, that multiculturalism is, is, uh, is an intentional plan to destroy the West, right. Everybody gets that. Uh, but for someone of, of Kissinger's stature, um, and, and gravitas and connections, right. To be able to say that is a really big deal. Um, and so does he see the other side of that coin as far as economics, right? Did he, did he get that? Uh, and of course that wasn't his, you know, necessarily his forte, right? He's, he's looking at geopolitics and that's, that's his, that's his, been his, was his bread and butter. Uh, but if he's able to understand that, right, you can see the other side of the coin economically. I mean, the one follows the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm curious, you know, um, I'll have to continue to look into some of the things that the recent public statements and things that he said, at least publicly written, because uh, he continued to write uh, a good amount uh, into his 90s. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the China decision. But again, like looking at the China, de- like why they did that, you have to think about the geopolitics of the era where you have the Soviet Union in China these obvious allies because they're both communist countries. And that is a, a major threat, the two of them together against the United States and, and, and NATO and the West. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do something to, to break them apart and, and exacerbate this, the, you know, the brewing conflict between the two. I mean, there, there was a moment where the, the Soviet union, um, where the Soviet union almost, uh, almost went to war with, with uh, China, with Mao. Um, I mean, so there were, there was always tension there. They're, they're not, they were uneasy allies. And this is why Nixon and Kissinger exploited it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do that. And that's, that's a move that everyone wants to credit like Ronald Reagan, just spending a whole bunch of money as the reason why the Soviet union collapsed. Um, it, it's not only that, but it's, it's that, that strategy in the eighties would not have worked if the Soviet union could rely on, on China, on the People's Republic of China, to be an ally, right? right. Because you here you have hundreds of millions of troops. Nobody's going to mess with you, and, and nuclear weapons, right? No one is going to to mess with you if you have if you have that. Like you have a natural counterbalance to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when China is no longer there, right? Then then you're on your own. Yeah. Right? That's the that's the conditions that that Nixon and Kissinger created. Uh, and so, right? You look at that. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a it's seemingly now like a short-term gain, right? Oh, you, you do this to save your country because, and, and who will, you know, they're dead now. It doesn't matter. Right. That's, that's, I think, you know, part of the thinking, but I, I don't even think they anticipated such things. And, and like you said, like Nixon's legacy, it domestically is a mess, right? Anytime like you, you talk about Nixon, people are like, well, what about the EPA and the department of education and, and all these things that he did. And it's like, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> well, well, a lot of that too is like he, you know, he he made in some ways he made similar mistakes as Trump ma- uh, made in terms of like just hiring, trusting the wrong people. Yeah, like on the domestic front, uh, Nixon basically just didn't care. He's like, yeah, whatever yeah. you guys want to do, you're good. He wanted to focus on foreign policy. Yeah, um, like I think the worst aspect of of Nixon, and this is probably a topic for another time, but is closing the gold window. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a really, you know, I'm a really big sound currency guy. So, you know, Nixon participated in, you know, the the currency problems that we are now are seeing the fruit mm-hmm. of. Um, but in terms of Kissinger himself, I know someone, one of the commenters asked if, if Kissinger was based. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of these people, like, you know, they, they lie to themselves. You know, when, when you don't see the fruit of, of yeah. what's going to happen, you lie to yourself. And you're like, yeah, you know, America doesn't really have any ethnic relevance. Anyone can be an American, all those things. And then you see the fruit of it. And you're like, actually... We should, you know, we we were wrong. I don't think I don't think like Kissinger and, and Churchill. I don't think they were true believers of like multiculturalism or anything. They ever, but they just went along with the program. I don't think these people realized just how devastating it would have eventually turned into. Like I think Kissinger, I think he recognized. I think he would recognize now that in terms of realpolitik, they probably should have done more to shut down the multicultural threat. Um, but now it's too late. You know, the genie's out of the bottle. All that stuff, but yeah, all these people they re- they they lived in a completely different world. They know that life was better. They can't they can't lie to themselves now about the um, the blessings of diversity and all that stuff. They yeah. recognize that it's a lie and it's destroyed us. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I guess, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, game plan something because of the, the, um, or, or put you in a scenario and, uh, and say, what would you do? Right. You, you get to be Henry Kissinger, CJ. Uh, this is what, this is why all the people, uh, thousands of people are, are watching right now. Um, and so right, it's January, 1969. I get to be Richard Nixon in this scenario. Um, and, uh, it's January, 1969. You know, I just took the oath of office and, uh, I've selected you as my national security advisor and guess what? Vietnam is going on. We've inherited it, right? We've got Viet, we got all these American troops in Vietnam and what do we do? Right. What should we do to get this out? Is, of this, this is war? a really, this is and, game planning. This is a really bad idea. Cause I don't and, know. Yep, Vietnam. Yeah. You don't know Vietnam as well as well. Uh, no, I don't. So well, what I would you know, do is I would, not call really up, Harry I would call up George <laughs> Kennan and have him run the show. That's what I would do. Okay. That's a you know, fair point. Uh, but you're, you're ruining my fun. Uh, but right. You're, you inherit Vietnam. All right. And remember like Nixon runs on saying, well, I have a secret plan to get us out of Vietnam. Right. Just trust me. I got a secret plan. But of course the secret plan is just bombing uh, North Vietnam, like crazy. Uh And, and then bombing the supply lines of Viet Cong in, into Cambodia. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because you need to, right. How do you get out of this war? Right. That's the thing. It's, it's one thing where we look at it. It's like, Oh, Vietnam was bad. It's a mistake. We shouldn't have done it, but you're elected president by the silent majority, Mm -hmm. right. They, they come out for you in droves, right. They hate communists. And they they realize the Vietnam War is a mess. It's become incredibly unpopular because of 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 mass media propaganda. And what do you do, right? How do you get out of this, right? And so you you have to uh, produce leverage for the North Vietnamese to want to end the war, right? That is the that that's what he attempted to do. That's what Kissinger was attempting to do. And so how do you get out of this war? And because the goal was to leave South Vietnam as right, a functioning country that could take care of itself, right? That failed, of course. It collapsed almost immediately after, after American troops left. Um, but, right, that, that's the goal, to, to withdraw America from this conflict. And so in order to do that, you can't, you can't just be like, all right, Ho Chi Minh, uh, he might have been dead by then. Uh, but all right, uh, North Vietnamese, we're just going to say, see you later. I don't know how to say goodbye in Vietnamese, right? We're going to, we're going to say, see you later. We're getting out of here. We're going to pull up all our bases and just flee, right? Well, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, it's, it's similar to Afghanistan, right? It's funny how like, um, all of these like, um, anti-Trump Republican people are like, well, you, reality is the Biden withdrawal from Afghanistan. That was all planned by Trump. He was the one trying to get out of there and it's his fault that all that happened. Right. Which I, I don't think is true. And we can get into that, but you need to get out of Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is a war that it's, that is sucking your country dry, right? There's no purpose behind being there at all. Right. Why, why are we there? Right. This is the question that people asked for at least a decade after Osama bin Laden was killed, which was mm-hmm. the ostensible reason for being there. Right. How do you get out of this this conflict? Right, that's the thing. Like you get sucked into these quagmires. It's the same thing with Ukraine. Right, how do you get out? How do you get out? Right, you're elected now. What do you do? And right, you have to you you have to present leverage. Right, the North Vietnamese aren't going to end the war unless what? Right, unless they have a compelling reason to. Unless you give them a reason. Otherwise, they're just going to come in and take over South Vietnam. Yeah. Right. So. Right. I, I look at it in, in terms of repolitik. Yeah. Do I want like hundreds of thousands of people getting killed because of civilian? But of course, that's it's horrible. It's terrible. Right. It's 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 evil. <laughs> Women and children, all this kind of I mean, it's, we've talked about like Gaza. Oh, these and like these that. are the types of like political decisions and they're purely political decisions that just big Eva. They can't even wrap their mind around these. things. No. You know, they deal in like these. um you know, absolutist universalist um, like world, like these math problem world where everything's set out and you can choose your own, <laughs> you kind of like choose your own adventure, but choose your own outcome, right? Yeah, and, and it's they always idealistic. Choose, they can't choose between um, two bad options. They no. literally can't do that. They can't function in that world. Which is entirely <laughs> what politics is, right? We, and we say this all the time, 
right? That's what that's what politics is is living within the reality of multiple bad options and choosing the the least bad option in order to have the best outcome. Yeah, it's not and, even the least bad option in terms of like these like I, ideal scenarios, right? It's actually yeah. it's actually the best outcome for your friends, you know, and it, you have to you have to think in terms of particularity, like what is good for us? What is going to benefit mm-hmm. us? Not like this one has, you know, um, 10 ethical points and this one has seven ethical points. So we're going to choose the 10 ethical points. Like yeah, you have to yeah, think yeah. that's even worse. It's not even like there's no perfect scenario. It's like, you're going to have to choose between groups. Who's going to benefit, who's going to lose. And that's just completely out of the, you, you can't ask a big Eva person to even think about that. No, you can't. And, and and again, like the whole, I mean, the whole question too, is like just getting back into like Viet, you know, history of Vietnam, history of Southeast Asia is in all of these places, there were, uh, there were, there were communist cells operating communist guerrillas. I mean, they, they operated, you know, even during world war II, um, in, in order to fight the Japanese, mm-hmm. but in, in all, in all of these places, there were, there were common, it's the same thing in Eastern Europe. Right. Um, this is why, you know, I recommend, I think it's still available. You know, mystery Grove publishing, they have, uh, the Peter Kemp trilogy and all three books are great. The, the Spanish civil war one is, is awesome. Um, but, but also the other two, they're a little bit shorter are camp in Eastern Europe, uh, assisting the guerrillas in the Balkans and then camp after the war, um, dealing with, um, you know, all of these problems basically in, in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what happens right when communists take over, you know, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, then Thailand is threatened, right? Then the Philippines, right? The, the domino, I mean, people, people like to clown on the, you know, domino theory of, you know, communist countries falling to communism, mm-hmm. but I think it's real, right? I think it's true. Like if your neighbor becomes a communist country, then the, then you're next on the chopping block. And when, when communists well, take over, it's funny, place, it's funny. Cause it's like, we have our own, you know, um, I'm just thinking back about this, like the, the expansionism of, of NATO and, and like liberal democracy, you know, we had our own domino experience, yeah, we, you know, we've, like done as, the same thing. we've moved eastward for yeah. 70 years. You yeah, know, oh, exactly. Ukraine, that's what Ukraine's about. Yeah. Yeah. Ukraine. I mean, we could, we could talk about Ukraine more in a minute. Cause I had a, you know, I, I tweeted something about it and I, I don't, I don't know if everyone understood what I'm saying. Um, but, uh, but that that's that is what happens like with totalitarian ideologies is they don't stay contained and right. so the the entire point in the cold war it's like well why are we fighting you know in vietnam or korea or or you know in nicaragua or all these different places well that's where the hot spots happen and you you have to fight the communists where they are where they're taking yeah. over i mean the same thing with like uh, chile Right. You that this is why you support the coup there to prevent communists from taking over South America. Yeah. Right. And so um, it's uh, yeah, it is the the whole Vietnam thing is right. The French withdraw. And part of it, too, is like the United States. It's it's a really convoluted history because everyone thinks like the CIA is this secretly fascist organization because of Operation Paperclip. And they they, they're taken over. They they uh, and it's like, no, the opposite. They were communists, like yeah. literal legit yeah. communists in the CIA, totally sympathetic to the Soviet Union. And that's who's running your intelligence <laughs> throughout the Cold War. And you look at the anti-colonial movements that occurred in, in Africa and in Asia, um, the United States supported them, right? They, they supported kicking the French out of Indochina and, and, and kicking the French and British out of all these African countries because and, and not so that the Soviets could take over you know, the Congo from the Belgians or, or, or whatever, but mm-hmm. so that the United States could, mm-hmm. right. That's, that's the whole point, right. They want They want to decolonialism, not for, you know, these virtuous liberal reasons, right. They wanted it because they wanted the stuff. Right. They wanted exactly. the resources. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and so they, they assisted many of these communist groups in overthrowing their, the European uh, colonial uh, governments. Mm-hmm. And, and and so that's part of you know what happened with with Indochina, uh, but then the United States inherits it because right oh all of a sudden right these communist groups this this guy Ho Chi Minh takes over North Korea or North uh, Vietnam Vietnam, and um and now like South Vietnam's the United States is basically 
you know, funding their government. They, they kill the South, you know, they assassinate the, the South Vietnamese president uh, and, and install their own government. I mean, it's, it's very much like Ukraine actually, right. Where, where we did a coup there and now we're running the whole government and they're, they're totally at our beck and call. And, and uh, we have to fight the conflict uh, initially a proxy war, but then the United States is drawn in and right. You're in that, in that situation. What do you do? Right. Do you just just let the communists roll uh, or not? Right. That's that's the question of the Cold War. And it's and it's obvious. No, it, this is where the fight was. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, yeah, I, I look at it that, you know, at that way and from this like realist perspective, because I'm not again, like I'm not saying, oh, yeah, America was good and, and liberal democracy is 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 so awesome. It's so wonderful that we could because I mean, think if we won in South Vietnam. Right. And, you know, South Vietnam is an American proxy. Right. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It would be it would be so subverted. And and I mean, just I mean, I mentioned Thailand. Thailand was, you know, this uh, American base. Right. This American basically a country that is dominated by America. And I mean, I don't have to you know, tell you too much <laughs> about what Thailand's like. Right. It's yeah. it's a totally perverted country. Yeah. Uh, sorry to anyone from Thailand listening. Uh, I'm sure there's very good people that, <laughs> that are listeners from there, but uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's I full know. of, uh, it's, it, it, it's, I mean, this is where, you know, Westerners go to uh, do um, your perverted stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so anyway, like that's, that's what Vietnam would be. Right. Um, and, and so I, yeah, it's, True. I'm torn True. on it. Right. I'm yeah. torn on these things. Cause I can't, I can't have my, you know, idealistic, you know, right wing Christian, uh, you know, empire, right? Mm-hmm. That's not that's not something that's on the table at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the middle of the 20th century, um, and so or the late 20th century. So, uh, but I, I look at Kissinger in in this way, you know, going going back to him, <clears throat> where, you know, he's not this arch villain, but at the same time, he's not, you know, he's not necessarily this. Um, you know, this based right wing guy that's, uh, that's so great. I think, he, I think he was what he was, right. He is this, uh, amoral calculating foreign policy genius, right. Mm-hmm. That's what the man was and incredibly impressive, right. He has this long career where he was advising presidents from Kennedy until, you know, he, he was brought in even to the Biden administration to, to speak to them, I guess. Um, and you know, <laughs> There was the Michael Tracy tweet. I don't know if you saw it because uh, you're not on, on Twitter, uh, but where he's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the corpse of of Henry Kissinger would still be doing a better job at foreign policy than the people running the show today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Um, yeah. Hey, put, th- put up this, this put good up one. This yeah. Comment, yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I agree with this. Yeah. This is, yeah. I mean, this is the, this is part of that waspy. Like, Malthusianism. Yeah. yeah, this progressive, you know, worldview where they're basically a bunch of managers and they can administer yep. the world toward a better future. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge critic of this of this aspect of, of Kissinger uh, in general. And, I, I think in the 20th century, yeah, yeah, I think it's reflective of the American spirit in the 20th century. And and what we have now, I mean, like where where did trash world come from? Right, it's it's these things. It did it grew out of it. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I agree with you. This is this is. The point where, yeah, I'm not going to say, oh, he was this great guy. He was so wonderful because it, this is this is the fruit of what they produced mm-hmm. in in the 20th century is what we have now, right? The things that they they planted are coming, you know, are are bearing fruit uh, in this day. Um, this is a good question. This is we'll get to some of these questions here because we're uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Jackson asks if I'm a Bitcoiner. Um, no. I'm a, I'm anti Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm anti silicone rings. I am a I, I want to return to gold and um, premium mastic gum as the things backing a currency. So I'm a, I'm a <laughs> hard money. I'm a hard yeah. money guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to pay for things with little nuggets of Greco gum. Yes. That would be <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, we should discuss Bitcoin. Yeah, we could. You know what? It's, not today. But not it's today. our show. We can talk about whatever we want. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I am, I am pro. I, I I'm pro these things disagree. with, with caveats. We can disagree on this. That's yeah, fine. we will. We'll disagree. Well, I, I have the same caveats that that you or, or the same criticisms you would have. 
I think. I, but I'm I'm pro Ted K. <laughs> How's that? Oh well, we're, that's definitely going to be clipped and uh, and used against no, us. Oh no, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no. yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, <laughs> You know, you're you're much more of a luddite than I am. I mean, I've got yeah. the Apple Watch on go. right now. You know, yeah. but uh, uh, you're you're more of a you're of a more of a luddite than me. Yeah, we should do an Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, we'd probably get some some good questions. Um, maybe the, maybe the next one we do. That's what we'll have to do because I don't think we're gonna have one Friday. I'll be out of town, uh, and the experiment with uh, hotel internet uh, last time that that didn't go so well. Maybe uh, maybe I'll have maybe I'll have my own guest on. Maybe I'll do a one on one. Do a solo. Else. Yeah, you you could go without me. You know, I, mean, I can. By the way, you know, it's it's nice to be invited to the show today. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we should tell everybody what happened. You know, I I scheduled uh, the Prudentialist to talk about Ireland. He he, he knows a lot oh, about. This I was subject. excited and, for that. Uh, and yeah, he was excited to talk to you. He didn't even want to talk to me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's like, "Where's CJ?" And I'm like. I told him it was going to be what it was. And then I looked back at our chat and nope, I, I didn't. And so yeah. it's all my fault. All my fault. Yeah. I'm terrible. Um, but yeah, I think the next, next week, next, next early next week, Monday or Tuesday, we'll have to do an ask me anything episode. And uh, everyone will ask CJ questions. Cause you're way more interesting than me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think going back to, to Kissinger, um, and and the modes of foreign policy that the, the American um, you know, the American regime still follows a similar playbook, right? But it's kind of like um, I almost made another football analogy. You know, it's kind of like you know going from like the this is all I got right now. It's football season. Uh, it, like an all time great head coach, you know, uh, you know uh, Vince Lombardi or something, and. Oops. Now you're now you're having like like third graders drop plays in the dirt, right? Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're trying to run his offense, and and they can't, right? They can't do that. And 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 so you see that with Ukraine, right? Um, what happened in Ukraine in 2014, I think, is a prime example, right? Where what what did they do in Ukraine? It's very similar to Vietnam, right? Where you have a government that all of a sudden isn't so friendly to you, and you just overthrow it right in, in vietnam they oppress, uh, assassinated president diem um and and in 2014 they over they overthrew the, the the democratically elected government of ukraine how about that so they've loved democracy until until they don't um and right it was a, just a, a flat-out color revolution and, and the fallout from that is you have this break-off between these two countries right where you have the donbass um, seceding from Ukraine saying this, we didn't vote for this government. We didn't sign up for this government. And, and you're going to be hostile to us because we're ethnically Russian. And they just left. And for, for eight years, they would just bomb villages with artillery, right. And, and, and torture people and, and, and do horrible stuff, which no Americans know about at all. Right. They think that just like randomly one day Vladimir Putin woke up and said, I want to take a chunk out of out of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how everything is for the. Yeah. <laughs> just one day know, for no reason at all. They just <laughs> just decided to invade. I know. Yeah. Because he's he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. Don't you know, CJ? He wants he wants to retake the world. Yeah. He's literally Hitler. And actually, no, like there's act rational. Um, reasons for why he did why they why they did what they did, and yeah, I mean, well, Putin, Putin. See, that's the thing. Putin operates within a realist mindset, and these our own government is anti-realist. Yeah, you know that's their clown world ideology. Well, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they are capable of. I mean, you just like listen to Mearsheimer, right? Explain foreign policy. Mm -hmm. I, I would recommend, right? Anybody, anybody who wants to, you know, learn anything, like listen to what Mearsheimer has to say about any any conflict. And and even if you disagree with him, you're at least going to get a take on why did X country do this, right? Is it is because the the tale we always get is just randomly. Uh, this country decides to do something because they're evil, and right. like that—that—that that, that, literally, that's what we're always told, right? Whether it's whether it's the Second World War, whether it's uh, you know, the Korean War, Vietnam, um, Iraq, 
uh, all of it. Like, why why did Saddam Hussein decide to invade Kuwait right in, in 1991? Like, oh, because he's a he's a madman. He's insane. He just wants to take over the world. And wouldn't you know, America is there to stop the bad guy from doing bad things. Right. Same thing with Bashar al-Assad. Oh, he's this evil guy that wants to gas his own people and just kill people for no reason. Right. Um, all the, it, it's always that that's the same thing we're told again, again and again and again. Right. And and you bring this up, CJ, because. Right. I don't think it's just like propaganda, propaganda to these people. It is propaganda. Right. Yeah. It's it's all the same. But, you know, Marvel, they're Marvel true believers. People. They're true believers. Yeah. These people believe what they're selling. Yeah. Right. They're getting high on their own supply. Right. Mm-hmm. That is um, that's what's happening is like they really believe Vladimir Putin is the most evil man who's ever lived and they have to stop him. Right. And, and that, that's that is what they believe. It's they're not operating from any any realist perspective where there are are yeah. interests that country X has and they're going to pursue those interests. And this is what's good for their people. Right. They they don't think that way at all, which is alarming. Because you look at Kissinger and I mean, this is a realist par excellence, right? This, this is, he understood what, what, what things is this country going to do? What are, what are, what's the, where's the leverage that we have? What are, where are the carrots and the sticks that we can use? And, and how do we operate this situation for our advantage, for our, our own interests as a country, Right. right? That's the other question is, right. They don't even view like that's the American interest, right? You look what at, I was like, saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to like you have to recognize that we are an actual country. We're actual people. We have our own interests. These people are in, the people running the show now are incapable of even comprehending that. There, there is no American interest to yeah. these people. It's just keep the global American empire running. Keep, uh, you know, uh, keep, um, keep things going the way it is. Right. Keep America in power. And that that's really it's just pure power projection. Right. That's that's why. Like you look at like Ukraine, right? What is what is the American government doing in Ukraine? Right? What's the point of it? And we bring bring this up. You know, and this is what I said before is the point, like, what are they winning? Because uh, you know, a friend of Cryptos had a good uh, good tweet where it's like, we spent hundreds of millions of or hundreds of billions of dollars, and there have been hundreds of thousands of lives lost in this war and the outcome is going to be the same as it would have been if we would have allowed negotiation in the first week. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the famous report that Netanyahu of all people had brokered a deal between the Russians and, and Zelensky mm-hmm. and the United States shut it down. Right. And so at the end of the day, it's going to be the same deal, right? They're going to keep Crimea. They're going to keep the Donbass and those are going to be the new borders. And, and that's it, right? That's what's going to happen in 2024, 2025. Um, and right, w- what was to be gained in the interim by the United States? Right, what did we get? Is it just that there were, um, you know, there's a load of money that went to defense contractors in America? Is that the only reason why? And it's like, well, that that incentive is always there. Uh, oh, it was yeah, no, it was it was Netanyahu, uh, not uh, not Naftali Bennett. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was, or maybe it was Bennett. I I, I could be wrong. Uh, I know it was Israel that brokered the deal um, anyway. Um, but like, why, you know, why, why did they do this? Was it just that those incentives driving it? And it's like, no, what ends up happening as a result of this is that you sever Europe from Russia, right? The main event in the war, the most important thing that has happened in the war, other than obviously um, Ukraine being totally devastated, um, like they, they will never recover from from this conflict i mean all their men are dead mm-hmm. um i mean it's horrible horrible thing that the U- the united states regime has caused right they have been the ones that have caused this mm-hmm. end of story and right what what's the main benefit there what's the main event that happened it's the pipeline being destroyed yeah because you cut off you cut off europe from russia and that that lifeline of, of energy coming from russia is was the thing that that connection economically it's it's like i mean it's similar to the question of nixon going to china right you you open up relations with china and and now there's an economic relationship between the united states and there's right. there's you know a, a softening politically right you're able to get along politically and 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 forge a, you know not necessarily an alliance but at least partnerships right that is the thing they could not allow to ever happen between germany 
and and France and the other other European countries, Western European countries to a certain extent, between you know Germany especially and Russia, right? Because if you have this ironclad alliance forged be- over over natural gas and oil between Germany and Russia, then you have the same thing as Nixon going to China, and 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 it would it would fracture the American dominance over Western Europe that we have had for 70 years, mm-hmm. right? That's what that pipeline represented. So it being destroyed, that's the, the whole ball game is America asserting its dominance over Europe. So the question of like, what's the Ukraine war about? It's to produce the same kind of stuff that happened in Ireland two weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, to continue the influx of third world people, because why, like you look at Italy, right? Georgia Maloney, gets elected. She's supposed to be this right wing, you know, anti-immigrant and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's totally fake, mm-hmm. right? It's not even, not real at all. We, we, we know this now, like the, the, the immigration of, of, of sub-Saharan Africans and Middle Easterners to Italy has continued to pace. It hasn't even slowed down. And like, why is that? Right? right. Was she just lying the whole time? Well, maybe probably, but why is that? Like, why, why is she driven this way to do these things? Right. If you got a, a an ostensibly right wing government in France or in Germany, right? If the a, if the AFD was able to elect a, a chancellor or a prime minister, right? What would happen? Right? Nothing. Nothing because they are completely under the thumb of Washington D.C. Period. Right? right. And that what this war has accomplished is that. Right? right. That's the point of the Ukraine war is for America to completely dominate Europe. Yeah. But there's nothing in there's nothing in the American interest for it to be this way for like our country as you know to be domineering over Europe in this way. There's, there's we don't get any benefit like we personally, you and I, and and regular American people get no benefit from this whatsoever. Right? This is the point that made the knives come out for Trump mm-hmm. right in 2015 when he says right when he says right why are we in NATO? All those countries are rich; they don't need us anymore. Right. Uh, I mean, he's, he says this and it, and people thought like, oh, he's just an idiot. He doesn't understand the importance of NATO. Uh, and it's like, no, actually, he he very clearly does. And he threatened it. Right. This is why they're they're. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Why? Why do they make him to be a Russian spy committing you know, treason with the Russians? They, why do they paint him that way? They can use any trick they want. Why do they use that one? Right. It's because that is the most important thing to them is the foreign policy is the global American empire continuing to flex its muscles, continuing to have dominance over Western Europe and much of the world. Right. So am I right? Or you think I'm, I'm crazy? No, I think you're completely right. No, I agree with all that. You heard it here folks. Yeah, no, I, no, I think <laughs> I'm always right. this is why like circling back to you, the original question was Henry, was Henry Kissinger actually a good guy? Like circling back to that question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would answer <laughs> so, well, here's here's the thing. I think in terms of like foreign policy and realpolitik, you can't answer about whether he was good or evil like that. Yeah. Um, you have to answer whether he upheld American interests in light of other possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. I think he did well in um, challenging uh, the Soviet Union and its efforts towards expansionism. Um, yeah. I also think that the cult of liberal democracy was not the best tool to use as an alternative. So yeah. my answer to that is he recognized the enemy. He recognized the strategy of the enemy and he did um, a good job challenging the enemy. But I don't think that using the tool of, of liberal democracy was the proper um, was the proper tool to use. I think a, a different alternative should have been chosen. So that's my answer to that question. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Like the, the, Because uh, communism... Right. Uh, whether it, you're talking about Stalinism or Maoism or whichever flavor, right? Leninism um, is is not the antithesis of liberal democracy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, those are just two species species of liberalism. Right. One is much more violent and totalitarian and destructive. Uh, but it's it's a form of of I mean, and maybe, you know, people are going to dispute this, of course. Uh, but they're they're both they're both fixtures of the left. Right. They're not they're not part. They're not the opposite. They're not its antithesis. It's not rightism. Right. A liberal democracy isn't right. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the third way. Um, right. and, and it's much more aligned towards and you see it as it's developed now in the 21st century. Right. It it's producing many of the similar things like I, I, 
and much has been made of this. People have said this a lot that uh, the Soviet Union, like culturally, was less liberal than American, you know, 21st century, you know, globalist American empire stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have trans kids in the Soviet Union. They, they had mass graves and gulags. They didn't, they didn't have this stuff. Well, right? yeah, they didn't, they still had was, families and marriage. It was, a, it was a very masculine tyranny. We have yeah. a very feminine tyranny. You know, that's why. You know, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was guns to your head, not we're going to psychoanalyze you and, you know, let you talk to some student of um, Freud. You know, like that, it was yeah. a completely different method. And, and subvert your society from the inside and, and, and psychologically demoralize you in every possible and, way. And what's, you. No. what's left over of once the Soviet Union receded from the world scene, what was left over in Eastern Europe was masculine men that had struggled. Yeah. What's going to be left over here? Basically a bunch of obese people that are, are addicted to porn. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, it has different effects. Yeah. 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 That's, that's just, that's just it. And so, um, you know, moral of the story, uh, don't be one of those people <laughs> left over in the wake of the, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. the American, uh, you know, democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we're, I mean, we're almost out of time here. What, uh, what stuff, have you been working on? I'm actually you- back on Twitter. So you can follow me at, at Contra Mordor. I have above 6,000 followers um, and then follow my sub stack. And then the Chronicles magazine podcast is slowly chugging along, but you can check that out too. Yeah. So are you going to, you going to have a guest later in the week when I'm gone? I don't know yet. Maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. If, Stay tuned. Yeah. Maybe I'll think about uh, inviting you. <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. I will. <laughs> we'll see if I, if I play my cards right. Uh, and next week we will, we will do, this is a great idea. This is why the comment section is so great. Um, we can have an, uh, uh, ask me anything where you can ask CJ anything you, you want to find out. Uh, and he will, he is required to answer the question. <laughs> Morally obligated. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, again, uh, thank you all for, for watching and, and listening um continue you know here on uh, special guest james Lindsay. yeah if you have james on maybe i'll try to get some internet uh and ask him some questions i don't think it's gonna happen though um <laughs> uh, but yeah continue everybody uh making burner accounts to subscribe to a uh, contra contra mundum on youtube we're you know very close to the magic number of a thousand and then uh and then uh we will uh then then we'll explode we'll have millions of followers because this is the most happening exciting youtube channel uh on the entire site by far, uh, of course. Uh, but until, until then, until next week, maybe later in this week, uh, have a good one, stay dangerous, and we will see you next time.